Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of The Block Church. I wanna thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Well, welcome to all of our locations and those who are online. We're so glad to have you here. And we're gonna stay in this attitude of worship as we go to the Word. My name is Grace. I'm the executive pastor of ministries and uh, I've gotten to be part of this church for a long time. And I love to see what God's doing, how he's moving. And one of the really special things about being in leadership here at the church is that we have this meeting once a month that we call all staff. And it's where we gather all of our block team coordinators, our block group leaders, our elders, our staff from all five of our locations. We get together at our Port Richmond building and um, it's just really, really a highlight. It's very special. God always moves and just inspires our leaders there. And two weeks ago, we were at all staff in Port Richmond and somebody on our staff decided that the snack we should have, we really labor over what snack we should have for the leaders come in, you know? And um, somebody from our staff, I can't remember who, but said we should have s'mores. And so my role in our church is somebody has vision and I make it happen. And so I got these sternos. I had six sternos and we lit them. And then we had all of the things to make a s'more. We had skewers and marshmallows and graham crackers and all the good things. And um, once I had the sternos lit, I realized like, how big of a deal it is to just have this many open flames in our building. And so I just stood next to them the whole time, guarding them in like a few times, because we had a few people on our leadership team who have never made a s'more before. And so they lit their marshmallow on fire and the reaction is to what? Fling it like this. And I'm like, no, blow it. You know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, we're gonna fling a flaming mallow against the wall. Um, but anyway, that s'more time really reminded me of my childhood growing up camping and just kind of like the pyro tendencies that started then. Anybody else just like love a flame? You're just attracted to it. I know it's weird and it's kind of scary. I think it's because I'm cold all the time. And so I just love to be around fire. But anyway, I grew up camping. That's like what my family did. We did not go to Disneyland. I never flew on an airplane with my family. We just went camping out in the woods. Like that was our thing. And the special thing is after you've done your s'more, you have that stick that maybe you tore off a branch or you have a wooden skewer and you just burn it till it becomes just a nub in your hand. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Okay, there's like five of us, awesome, okay. It sounds weird, but it really is fun. You light your stick, then you just kind of hold it and you watch the flame you know, go out and then you just kind of have this like glowing ember on the end of your stick. And then you light it again and then you watch it burn and it goes out. Okay, it's really way more cool than I'm making it sound. <laughs> but if you were lucky enough to be around a campfire with a sibling or a friend, sometimes I would stick the end of my stick to theirs and we would see if we could reignite a flame with just the embers of our stick touching. And it would be really cool if it did. Um, but I was really thinking about that. And, you know, honestly, at All Staff, I kind of had my skewer. And when I was waiting for people to go through the line, I was burning it and reburning it. <laughs> And it really makes me think about godly community because the scriptures talk about how we should fan into flame our passion, our gifts, our love for God. And in Christian community, if you've grown cold, if you don't have your uh, flame going, if you just have maybe small little embers, when you get around somebody else who is really passionate on fire for God, we use that language a lot in the church, on fire for God, 
it stirs you up and you're like, man, I wanna pray like this person does. I wanna believe for God like this person does. I wanna see financial provision in my life the way that this person does, right? And so it is kind of like those wood sticks where our embers mixed with somebody else's embers fans that flame and heats things up. And today we are launching block groups across all of our locations. We have over 40 groups. And so the sermon today is really geared around community, the benefit of having Christian friends, and even more than that, Christian brothers and sisters. So we're in a series called This Is Your Sign. And so today, this is your sign to be a friend. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, be a friend. This is your sign to be a friend. Our Center City location started this little tagline, be a friend, make a friend. And I like that they say be a friend first because in order to make a friend, most times we need to be a friend and then it starts that uh, bridge that we can then be in deeper community and connection. So today we're gonna look at a scripture that Paul wrote in the first century to another church called the Corinthian church. And we're gonna see how he's challenging us to be a friend. He's challenging us even today to live in Christian community. So Pastor Joey has said this uh, before, that we're four weeks into our series. We're not going in exact order. We're actually gonna look at the very end of the letter today. We're in chapter 13. And we are not the original audience. The Apostle Paul wrote these beautiful words down in the first century, specifically to the Corinthians. But the Holy Spirit inspired him to write these words. And so even though this is not written to you, it was written for you. And we're gonna see how the truth of what he said to the Corinthians matters for us today and directly applies for us today in the 21st century. So you ready to open up your Bible or if you've got an electric one, turn it on. Okay, thank you, I had one laugh. Okay, turn on your Bibles. Uh, we need to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. I'm reading the NIV version. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So today might be a little bit different of a sermon than you're used to. We are literally just going through this one verse. We're gonna break it down phrase by phrase, word by word, to make sure we really understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. So the first section I wanna look at is the first word says, finally, I read that word, I think about um, how the church must have felt. You know, they get this letter, it's brought to them. They're all gathered around. Somebody is reading it aloud saying, we got this letter from Paul. We need to hear what he's saying to us. And so they read 13 chapters worth. And then you finally get to chapter 13, verse 11, where he says, finally, brothers and sisters. Don't you think some of them were like, oh, finally, Whew ready to move on, ready to get lunch, ready to stop getting my toes stepped on, finally. <laughs> but actually the Greek word there is more like in closing and it gives um, a real family, a real familial word. And so that's why some translations of scripture say brethren um, or even as I close. And Paul is like a true preacher where he packs a few punches even as he's closing. You know, don't you love that Pastor Joey's like, I'm closing. And then he still has a few sucker punches for us right at the end. I just want to draw your attention just because it's fun. The Bible is so fun. I get great joy out of reading it. Verse 12 says, I don't have it on the screen for you. You have to read it for yourself. 
greet one another with a holy kiss. And let me just tell you, when I went to Bible college, this was the scripture every young man memorized. (laughs) We would get into the lobby and they'd be like, the Bible says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And I had been in church my whole life and I never knew that that was in the Bible until I got to Bible college and had some just young, excited guys ready to apply the word of God to their life. (laughs) That's awesome. The next section of verse 11, Paul says, rejoice. Or some versions of scripture say, be joyful. How we get these different translations, if you're new to reading the Bible, is they're taking the Greek And then they're either phrase by phrase or word for word translating it into English. And I loved looking at one verse in multiple translations because I think it helps me get a better understanding of what's actually being communicated. Because I can hear rejoice. And to me, that sounds like just a Christmas song. Rejoice, rejoice. But I don't use that word. That's not in my vernacular. I'm never walking around like, and I just rejoiced. And you know, I had these, I made these incredible waffles and we rejoiced, like that's not how I talk. But the other translation says, be joyful. And that I can connect with. I'm like, okay, yes, be joyful. Paul is saying, finally, family of God, brothers and sisters, be joyful. And we're gonna keep getting into this as we go through this series. Second Corinthians in a lot of ways is a lot of course correction for these people. Paul is pretty severe to them through 13 chapters because they had a lot of integrity problems, they had sin, and they just weren't getting along with each other. And so he's kind of rebuking and correcting them with great encouragement, but still. And so it's, it's amazing to me that at the end, he's like, and now rejoice after I've corrected you and told you that you really need to grow up and mature, rejoice. But I was thinking about that and that really is how the Christian life should be. Acts 3.19 says, repent then, turn from your ways and times of refreshing will come to you. And if you don't know the Lord or the way that the kingdom of God works, that might sound so strange. But if you've experienced repentance, if you have said, God, I have sinned against you and I need help. And then you experience his forgiveness over you. The best way to describe what happens next is times of refreshing, You feel like you've just been parched and walking for four miles and then you just got a cool drink. That refreshment just comes over you. We're like, my sin's gone. I'm forgiven. Times of refreshing come. And so Paul is really telling the people, after you make all these corrections and and you work together and you forgive each other, then you need to be joyful. And I want you to walk in this joy because that is the privilege of the Christian life. Great joy knowing that we have a father in heaven who loves us enough to send his son to be our savior. So the biggest problem we will ever face, sin, can be handled and done. We should be walking in joy. I was at a conference a couple weeks ago and one of the speakers said, the mark of a mature believer is joy. And that is so simple, but that hit me deep. And I thought, man, all the times when I have not been walking around in joy, have been when I've been immature. And Paul's hope for the people is that they would mature up. We're gonna see this. Let's go to the next section. He tells them, strive for full restoration. Or other translations say, grow to maturity. Aim for restoration. The King James translates that Greek word into be perfect. Some of us don't read King James for just this reason, because it uses language that we're like, I'll rock with that. 
it tells you be perfect. So many of us are triggered. We're like, no, I've been set free of my perfectionism. No, it's progress over perfect, right? Like we immediately like hate the word perfect. But back in the day in the 1400s, when King James was translating it, they were down with that. They were like, yes, be perfect. But this all comes from this Greek word, katartizo. And this Greek word, when Paul's writing this, when he's writing katartizo to the Corinthian church, he means it to say, to render, to mend, to put in order ethically, to strengthen and make one what he ought to be. Isn't that powerful? Paul's saying, strive for restoration together. Ethically, be who you are supposed to be in Christ. Treat one another with this mending, this unity, this togetherness where you're growing in maturity. So he's really trying to compel the Corinthian church, mend your ways, make adjustments to your problems and and have integrity in your life. Put things in order so that the church as a whole can become mature. He has this fatherly heart writing to them. I want you guys to grow up and be a mature church. And for us today, man, this is my heart for myself and for you that we would grow up and be mature that we would strive for restoration, that we would um, be working together to aim for full restoration. Many of us really fear the things that it takes to have restoration, the confrontational conversations, conflict, owning our own mistakes, apologizing, forgiving, right? So many of us just have these defense mechanisms. We get angry, we get hype. You can't tell me that I was wrong, I was right, or we just avoid it. In my own life, if relationships get tense, I just am like, well, I've got plenty of other friends. Honestly, I can just let that go. And God is always challenging that. And is like, no, I've called you to be in a family and families don't just quit on each other. And I'm not from a big Italian family. I know some of you have like big Puerto Rican families, Italian families, it's awesome. I grew up like so far removed, like across the country from my cousins and my grandma. And then I just have two siblings. And the church is where I've really learned how to do big family. And when you are in the church, you don't just quit on each other. You work towards resolution. And in my own life, just the last several months, one of my favorite friendships has just been experiencing so much tension and strife. And we've just not been on the same page. We've had several conversations at this point. But last week, we were like, we need to meet up. We just need to talk again. And we've had conversations like, honestly, like to each other, like we just don't know if our friendship can make it through this. This is just so hard. And we got to this meeting together and out of her mouth, she said, our friendship is worth fighting for. And I want to fight for this. And I want us to get unified again. And so for the next hour, we spoke very honestly with each other. Before this though, I I was praying, God help me to just say what you want me to say. Help me to not be full of my own flesh and feelings. And I actually asked other people, this conversation is coming. Will you please pray for me? And how I wanted to say is pray that she'll be able to hear that I'm right and that she'll just know that she's she's wronged me. But luckily I've uh, got enough in me that I was like, "Pray, pray that like I don't say dumb things to sever the relationship further out of my own frustration. Like I literally, I went to one of our elders said, this conversation is coming, like just be in prayer. I, I really know that I could take this conversation sideways because I just have so much frustration and I don't want this conversation to be me unleashing frustration. And the elder wisely said, your goal in this conversation is unity. 
you have so much more in common through Jesus than you do that should be dividing you. And reminded me, you are both believers. You are both Christians. Your goal needs to be at the end of this conversation, we're unified. And so we went in and in Christian confrontation, I've learned so much from the scriptures and from being in the church, but it is not sweep it under the rug and just say it gently and, oh, sister, you know, that was tough, but, you know, we're gonna be okay. Let's just get Starbucks and we'll be fine. It was like, this is how I feel disrespected by you. This is where I feel really offended by when you said this, when this happened, and she's saying the same things to me. Here's where I feel like I can't trust you because of fill in the blank. And it was a tough conversation, but at the end, we really owned our stuff. This is, it's never one-sided. It's always, okay, and how can I grow and what can I do better? And we were unified and we wanted this to be restored. We want there to be this bridge built back between us because honestly, the bridge had been severed and we didn't have connection. So we're in the same spaces and kind of communicating, but there's no real connection and there's no trust. And so at the end, we're praying for each other and asking God, would you help me to see her the way that you do? Not the way that I do, the way that you do. God, would you help me to communicate to your daughter in a respectful way? Would you help me to let go of my offense? And we prayed powerfully. And afterwards, I really felt like God gave me this picture of a bridge. The, the connection has been restored. It doesn't mean that we're gonna be driving across it so frequently because the truth is some trust has been broken and we have to rebuild that. So for those of you in the room who are hearing me talk about restoration and you're thinking for you know, the person in your life maybe who isn't a believer or who has been abusive and you don't like when we talk restoration, listen, this is about forgiveness on my end. This is about releasing justice to the Lord and saying, I wanna do my part to apologize and forgive. That doesn't mean the other person builds their other part of the bridge and that's okay. And when the bridge gets restored, like sometimes with a family member, it doesn't mean you have to keep driving across it for connection. There's times where you just need space. We've restored, we've forgiven, God has mended and put things in order, but we don't have to be besties. You know what I mean? But we are called to restoration. I hope you hear me. So if you have wronged somebody or there is sin, you have to have that mending and restoration with the Holy Spirit to make it right. And God really cares about restoration. It's mentioned 136 times in scripture. This is a theme from Genesis to Revelation. God knows that we have sin in our heart and we break things. Relationships break, situations break, businesses break, and God is so good at restoration. He's constantly like open-handed, like bring it here. Bring it here, come put it in my hands. I'll show you how to get full mending and restoration. The next chunk of verse 11 says, encourage one another. Some translations say comfort one another. I loved week one when Pastor Joey was preaching on comfort. Do you guys remember that? Where he's saying comfort has to do with courage. When you're comforting each other in the biblical sense, you are bringing courage to each other. And this Greek word here that gets translated these two different ways has a connotation of both encouragement and comfort together. So when Paul's writing this, he's telling the people, hey, show up to your block groups ready to encourage each other. Come on a Sunday morning, comfort inside you, ready to give away to somebody else. Give courage away, give encouragement away to people. And as we launch block groups this session, I wanna challenge you guys to not only sign up and not only show up, but come ready to encourage somebody else. 
Too many times we'll come into a group like, oh man, I just wanna vent everything. It's so hard. I just need all of you guys to pray for me. And we miss the other side of encouraging somebody else. And if you come into group ready to encourage somebody, and it could be small, it could be, man, when you pray for me, I really feel God's presence in his spirit. Thanks for praying for me. That's encouragement. It could be, you know, girls encourage each other on our outfits and it makes our days. We always say like, we don't actually dress up for guys, we dress up for girls. It's the girls who notice the details and know all the little things, right? And you can give some of those encouragement, okay? But I believe that God wants to really use us to spiritually encourage each other in deep ways. And most of us know we go through life at our jobs and our family and we get discouraged. It's really easy to go one day and you just feel like, man, I just got 10 blows of discouragement. And so when we come to block group, the truth is most of us show up wanting to be encouraged, looking for that. Somebody to say, I'm gonna be okay. Somebody to say, I like being around you. When you talk, man, I feel God's wisdom. And so I want all of us to feel like participants and be ready to encourage one another because we really need it. I've been um, a block group leader. So our church has been around for nine and a half years. I've led a block group every session except for one when I was on sabbatical. And some of that is just selfishly, honestly. I'm um, proud and I'll say it. (laughs) When you're leading groups and you get to facilitate people, like I give encouragement out, I pour a lot out, but what I get back is so much bigger. It's so much more. And I believe that God wants that for all of us. You might not be leading it, but show up, encourage. You will get it back. The next section is to be of one mind, live in harmony, agree with one another. And this phrase, it's really a challenge for us to have a proper attitude towards one another. It's not a challenge for superficial truths um, or just shared, you know, surface level things. This is like deep, like we are one, we are together. Our our mind is the same. We're, We're seeing things the same way. We're going the same direction. And I wanna give you an illustration. I'm gonna have Juan do this for me. First, the other service, they gotta hear me play, but I'm going too long, I guess. So hit just one note, hit a D. And we can think about in our own life, we are this note, right? And we hear our voice, we have our gifts. If we want the church to be just like us, then it is like that one note just getting hit over and over and over. And after a while, that becomes very boring and very stale. And God designed the church so that very different people would be working together in harmony. So now harmonize that, or we get several notes. And you start getting this beautiful sound that you would never get without many people working together. One could hit a few sour notes and it would be like, ooh, that sounds horrible. Paul's goal is, hey, don't be doing your own thing, going off into your own key. Thank you for that illustration. He's like, work together, be in harmony, make a beautiful sound so that heaven is like attracted to what's happening, but also so that the world is saying, how do you have friends that are so different and they're so deep in your life? How do you get along with so many different people with different backgrounds? It's because the word of God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus inside of us help us live in harmony. We have one mind because there is one conductor. This tells us what keyword in. This tells us what song we're playing. This tells us if we're crescendoing, if we're decrescendoing. It tells us what we're doing. And that's why having a biblical mindset, being in block groups where we're studying the Bible and we're being shaped by it is truly the way that we live in harmony. 
Last parts of this verse say to live in peace. Peace can sound just like harmony, but I like that peace. When, when Paul's talking here, he's telling the church, forsake your divisions. Give up the things that are dividing you and choose unity. Then you will live in peace. And I love the way that peace is just all throughout scripture. If you ever wanna do a word study, you go into your YouVersion Bible app, you look at the magnifying glass, you type in peace. It will show you over 200 verses that use this word peace because God's heart for us is that we would be at peace with him through Jesus and his blood. And we would be at peace with our brothers and sisters. Paul says, live in this. And the last little section is, and the God of love and peace will be with you. What a beautiful promise. The God of love, the God of peace will be with you. Not singularly, when it's saying you, it's saying you the body of Christ, you the church, you the family of God. There was a season in my life where I really was lacking joy and peace and love. I was showing up, I was present, but I was not postured to be in surrender to the Lord. And I'm grateful for that season that I did keep showing up. I kept going to my block group. I kept coming on Sunday. I kept reading the word. And on a random Tuesday, Pastor Derek, who's just one of my great friends, said to me, Pastor Grace, I think, I think God wants to take the taste of disappointment out of your mouth. And you know, Pastor Derek, he's just so prophetic and good. And like, nobody else could talk to me like that. <laughs> like, taste of disappointment. But the Holy Spirit really used that. And I received it. And I took that back to my own prayer closet and I started saying, God, if you wanna take disappointment out of my mouth, I'll let you, I'll release it to you. And I started realizing the disappointment in my heart against God, my frustration with people made all my embers go really cold. And I started separating from people. You know, when you get like offended or frustrated or disappointed, you do just kind of start getting insulated. And so my embers had grown cold in so many ways. I was around the bonfire, but I wasn't in it. But because of the proximity to the brothers and sisters in Christ, because I still was around Pastor Derek, the flame inside of him had the opportunity to light the flame inside of me. And it was a turning point in my time with God where I started saying, man, I didn't even realize how cold I've gotten. I didn't realize how hardened I've gotten. God fanned the flame in me. And that is the beauty of Christian community. We should not be growing cold. The way that we're on fire for God when we first get saved and you just feel like, man, these veils are coming off, these scales are coming off. I can't believe I get to have my sin forgiven. I can't believe I have access to the King of all of heaven and earth. That shouldn't die out the longer you're saved. It should increase. We should be more on fire for God the longer that we're with Him, the deeper we get into the bonfire. Come on. I could tell you story after story after story of times where there is an ebb and flow, but somebody else who's passionate, I was around them and it just sparked something in me. The flame got lit in me. And that's my prayer. That's our staff and our leadership's prayer that this block group session, you would bring your flame into the group, recognizing I have the opportunity to light somebody else on fire. Or you might be cold and distant and far from God and just learning this Christian thing. Show up to block group week after week. Their embers, their fire, their flames will impact you. What an opportunity for us to grow and grow and grow together in full maturity. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially wanna thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. 
you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.